Hello, and welcome back to Sound of the Moment. First of all, I am really sorry for such a long hiatus. Things have been quite busy, and I'm afraid it took me rather longer than I expected to get back to recording the podcast. Secondly, I've decided to change the schedule to releasing episodes once a month. It is a lot of work keeping up with booking guests and recording and editing and all of that. So this feels like a much more feasible rate at which to record and hopefully will make it a bit more manageable for me. So uh, with no further ado, as always, I am your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the monthly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music and more. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you want to be in touch with me, you can do that via Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can like the Sound of the Moment page and message me over there. Or you can email me at pat at soundthemoment.com. The show will always be free to download, but if you do want to help me with the costs of production and hosting, there is a Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash soundofthemoment. Any support that you may be willing to give over there is very much appreciated, and thanks so much to those of you who already do that. This is episode number 47 for the 22nd of January 2020. My guest is drummer and bandleader Guy Salomon. He has a new album with his octet, the Guy Salomon Group. And before we get to our conversation, here is the title track from that album. This is Unfollow the Leader. Thank you. 
My guest today is drummer, composer, band leader Guy Salomon. Guy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I always begin with the most obvious and basic of questions, which is to ask you to introduce yourself a bit. So tell folks a bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from, those kinds of things. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a musician. I write music and play the drums. Uh, I come originally from uh, Jerusalem, Israel. Mm-hmm. I've moved to Amsterdam about six years ago. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, to study in the Conservatory of Amsterdam and uh, stayed afterwards to live here and play here. Um, I lead my own group, the very originally titled Guy Salomon Group, <laughs> which is a jazz band mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, playing my own music. Um, and uh, yeah, it come from, I don't know, stuff yeah. and things. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we will get to talking about your debut album, which has just come out uh, this past week. Um, but first, I, d- I do want to dive into a bit of background stuff. Um, can you tell me a bit about, uh, like going all the way back to Israel, like how, how were you introduced to music? As far as I understand, you come from a pretty musical family. Yeah. Um, so your, your mother from like the classical side and your dad from more of a kind of singer songwriter kind of side of things. Yeah. Uh, at least from what I've read. Uh, can you tell me a bit about that background and, and also like maybe like how does, how do those two worlds meet in that sense? And how much is that like a, a how formative th- is that in the, in the idea of kind of like aesthetics and, and crossing genre boundaries and stuff? Cause it seems to me like that would be a, uh, an interesting place to, to come from in that sense, right? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, my parents are both very uh, colorful, <laughs> energetic people okay. in their own sense. My mother, like you said, she's a, condu- a classical conductor and a singer. Yeah. And my father is um, more, he had his own, like quite a famous uh, rock salsa band in Israel. Yeah, I'm so, interested in what rock salsa means. Yeah. <laughs> well, he comes from Peru originally. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he started this kind of fusionish band at the beginning of the nineties, um, and they were a little wacky. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, they had their own w- weird moves and dances, and the, <laughs> there's kind of this piano montuno in the background, but with a rockish backbeat and some synthesizers, and they sing about mangoes and bananas and stuff. Uh, okay, uh, and also about like heavy politics and critical things, and like a great mix of of lightness and funny and um but very groovy mm-hmm. um kind of thing his influence yeah there there's a lot like he listened to a lot of uh, cuban music and uh, but also like santana and a lot of israeli rock guys and singer songwriters Mayor riel is an awesome guy to mm-hmm. to listen to in these kind of so his mix was these things and my mother which also is really attracted to groove and 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 beats mm-hmm. um, in one sense. Like she's now seventy, but you will always see her in like the hippest parties, like <laughs> okay. dancing her ass off. So and she's like a tiny woman with crazy energy, but also a huge passion to yeah classical music, uh, Bartok and um, Wagner. So at home there was a lot of that. Yeah, and I think. They found, though, together the stuff that they, they really love 
both, which was shitloads of Beatles I or know. a lot of Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, film music. Basically, they would just go to, to see movies and stuff and mm-hmm. then fall in love with the soundtrack, okay. buy the CD of the soundtrack, put it in the car, and we'll just hear the soundtrack forever. Oh, yeah. Um, if it was uh, Twin Peaks or uh, Koya Niskatsi <laughs> or yeah. uh, um, Full Monty or, like, 80s disco or, um, yeah... Lots of different, like different soundtracks, blues brothers. I don't know. They would just really love a, a soundtrack from very different worlds, and we will just listen to it in the car the whole time. Yeah. And I think basically all these things. It's a lot of different styles. I think that they both listen to. Mm-hmm. That we were just influenced, like listening to it all the time, and they really liked whenever something has a very strong character to it. I think like with film music. Again, film music is not really a genre, right? It can be anything. Mm. But it's just you hear a song and a story opens up in your eyes. You can yeah. hear the scene or you can hear everything about it through through the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I love a lot also, that music doesn't really need to be specific, a specific genre as long as, I don't know, something explodes through it, through yeah. the melody or through the groove. And um, if something can be also a bit experimental, I mean, my mother always was trying to find, like she was listening to quite a lot of The Residents. I don't know if you know these guys. Really, really about, no. weird stuff. Okay. There's, uh, yeah, one album of only, I think, four or five seconds a track, but really okay. weird things. <laughs> yeah. And one album is one track. It's great. Check yeah. The Residents. Okay. All these kind of, I don't know. So I was very conf- a very young, confused <laughs> boy. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what to do with my life. Seeing my mother uh, also doing opera herself. Like she had this opera for children doing uh, Snow White. So she was like a 50-year-old Snow White. <laughs> oh, wow. Always being uh, <laughs> almost uh, murdered by a, a, a yeah. This anyway, this assassin guy. Yeah. So I had a very traumatic <laughs> childhood <laughs> musically, but um, yeah, with a lot of these influences. Um, so I never really got fixed on one style. I mean, then I discovered a bit my own thing, I guess, mm-hmm. through my brother. Also, my brother was uh, he used to play or still plays, but he's a like a guitar player, mm-hmm. and he got me a little bit into jazz or or more through funk to start with, and suddenly James Brown and uh, whatever was hip at that time, a bit Tower of Power uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. And he got into Schofield a lot, but mm-hmm. like the, um, the groovy Schofield, like Uber Jam and uh, this kind of uh, fusion period. And yeah. he's my older brother, so I try to do whatever he does. Yeah. And um, that was basically my childhood slash teens was a mix of these things into fusion, like skipping a lot of jazz and starting kind of from a... I feel like that's a common experience yeah. that people have is to go via Tower of Power yeah. into like Weather Report or exactly. something. And yeah. then, or like Herbie Hancock, like Headhunter stuff. Yeah. And then working back from there. Yeah. Um, like even, not, uh, yeah, when, like even more extreme of that period, like Dennis Chambers yeah, or, right. or even Dave Weckl, which Yeah, you're a drummer. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of music that I apparently now don't listen to anymore. Yeah. And something in me has a conflict of all kinds of music that I know that people don't 
really like I, I it's not hip to it's be not into hip that, into that <laughs> anymore <laughs> yeah. which which again it doesn't really matter but when i listen to it i also understand why i loved it mm-hmm. and why maybe now i'm in a different place yeah but i still have a a, a warm place in my heart for i don't know the 90s guys uh, michel petrucciani i don't know these, yeah, yeah, i yeah. kind of find it from there and then slowly like a gigantic period of 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 art blakey and the messengers mm-hmm. Mainly stuff that felt to me that it wasn't focused on the musician, but focused on just the energy or the band. Like yeah. a band like The Messengers is, of course, it, the musicians are amazing. But for me, it's just there's so much energy and it's and it's spiritual and it's super positive in some ways, mm-hmm. which I generally are more attracted to positive stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, lo- I know a lot of jazz is about... Uh, yeah complexity and introvert which is also great but yeah, for me yeah. i like the yeah i like a lot when something's very light and fun and you smile and hug yeah. each other and stuff <laughs> so, so stuff like the messengers suddenly struck me crazy and um through that of course uh yeah a lot of coltrane suddenly mm-hmm. which is maybe not the happiest stuff it, well i maybe happy and sad is a bit of vague yeah i feel <laughs> like it kind of transcends those those notions right yeah. at that point um, it's just like it just you know when it it's it goes directly into when you talk heart. about energy and, yeah. and 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 spirituality obviously coltrane comes into the picture yeah so from from coltrane and elvin and uh, elvin jones and mm-hmm. wayne shorter that's i think where it opened up for me where where things were i don't know really vibrating in yeah. that in in the ja- jazz world but i don't think i didn't ever never under never felt like okay now i'm into jazz because i still <laughs> suddenly jump back and listen to a lot of political uh, p- uh punk balkan russian israeli music okay. or something like a band called habiluim which mm-hmm. they don't uh yeah, their lyrics are in Hebrew, but their okay. lyrics are amazing. Yeah. And uh, suddenly jumping into whatever. So it's still not... I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> who, who I am and why yeah. I am in this world. But so <laughs> was all this happening in Israel, like, before you came, before you decided to come to Amsterdam? Yeah, I came here as a total mess already. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I guess my point is, like, you came you came to Amsterdam and formally studied jazz yeah. here. Um I guess the obvious question is why Amsterdam? Like that's always a, there's something that happens a lot with expats that come here. Like so, what was the? I know there's quite a few Israeli musicians who have come here yeah. over the years. Like I've played with with plenty myself. Um, is that was there a sense of like oh there's a path that exists from here to there that other people have trodden? Were you even aware of that? Like how? Not really at all, actually. I mean, the path is basically Tel Aviv, New York, yeah. kind of. And most of, because I studied also in Tel Aviv before for mm-hmm. I, for two years yeah. in this program that's connected to the new school. So basically, most of my friends that that I played with and studied in Israel, they are now in New York. Yeah. Um, so I felt actually it was more of my own thing. I didn't know anyone here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any Israelis. No one really recommended it for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, the the name of this conservatory in Amsterdam is quite like it, it is a little known, but in Israel people don't really know anything about European the European scene or I mean I'm exaggerating yeah. anything, but they don't know a lot mm-hmm. or most people that I was I don't want to generalize. Most people <laughs> that were around me yeah. did not talk about the European jazz scene and European yeah. schools and what's happening there. 
um, for me, why Amsterdam? I did a, a, a trip of like a month going to different schools. Okay. Um, all had their own pros and cons and looked great. And the cities all had their different vibes. But what I what struck to me immediately in, in the conservatory, at least in Amsterdam, is that there are a lot of musicians doing their own thing and playing uh, with wanting to play with each other and having projects. And there's all these kind of little places. I Because the auditions always are at the same time of Rough Diamonds, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is a series in the BIM house that yeah. the Jasper Blom is curating mm-hmm. at the end of uh, the, the season, basically in June. Yeah. So... That so you go to your audition, then you go and check out the Rough Diamonds. Suddenly you see two bands every night or every Tuesday of yeah. people doing really cool stuff, their own thing. So yeah. I felt like okay, I was always into composition or into finding new things. Also, back in Israel, I did study uh, like I started with piano basically, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, but I I kind of refused to read. Uh, music and I was really bad at exercise and stuff so my mother has had to find a special teacher that is like I was tiny but it was still a special teacher for for improvisation and uh, and mm-hmm. composing but, so you just play a few notes and she plays with you and I and um, so these things I, I really like when people are kind of allowing themselves to to I don't know to express to write to play their own thing mm-hmm. uh, that I felt that was very strong here. Yeah, it was very cool uh, and a kind of a gen- uh, like a natural continuation to me. Although I know some people, the school is very big, so there's also this scene of more traditional, you can say, people. But I would never, I could never really uh, imitate or not imitate, but not even study properly the, <laughs> the tradition or <laughs> other stuff. It always comes out wrong. It always comes out a bit like myself-ish. Mm-hmm. And then I found here very easily the people that want to do that as well. Yeah. Try to that maybe try to sound like that, but just cannot stop tr- sounding that, like that, themselves. That feels like a really rich vein to me. Like the notion of we're going to try to do a thing and we're going to do it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> because that's just how it is. It's great. I like that in the same sentence you said uh, things would come out wrong. Things would come out just like me. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, a uh, certain amount of self-deprecation, I suppose, but also like that's. That is so much of the goal most yeah. of the time as musicians is like, well, you want to find out what your voice is. And often your voice is basically just a bad version of somebody else's voice <laughs> yeah. with uh, at least as a basis. And then you add like maybe a bad version of like dozens of different voices yeah. that all come together into whatever version of yourself it is. Yeah, um, yeah totally. I mean, you can't really... Yeah, you can't really try and find your own voice, right? I mean, not that I, not I'm saying that I know what it is or that <laughs> I found my own voice, but you can't say, okay, now I'm developing my own sound. Yeah. Like maybe the thing that helped me-ish was to stop trying to do anything and just play. Mm-hmm. Like I always wanted to play more than to practice or, mm-hmm. or be alone. I found music as a social thing that I really want to play with people and grow by playing with people. So then you don't have time to kind of try and develop a thing. You just are there. Yeah. It's the same as if you're in a dinner with people. You don't practice before. Mm, let me find how I can be myself and what is myself. And then you, <laughs> okay, now my catchphrase is going to be this and that. And then you come to the dinner and check me out. This is me. It's more like you are you anyway. Yeah. 
ideally speaking, I'm sure there is a lot of people that practice small talk and stuff out there. Like, I don't want to discount those. <laughs> Maybe, no, no. Every, I mean, yeah, and everybody's cool. Whatever you do, yeah. you, if you want to practice before coming for dinner, <laughs> it's cool. But basically, yeah, I see it a little similar. Also, when I host, I, l I love hosting at home. I love mm -hmm. having people over. Yeah. And I want to be with people if it's for playing music or it's for eat dinners or playing board games, mm -hmm. which is uh, a big thing mm -hmm. in my life. Um, it's all about, I don't know, it's just people that are themselves in a situation trying to make each other feel good. Mm -hmm. So uh, the same focus needs to be also in music. We're just people trying to make ourselves and each other feel good. We're not... We are not music. We are not musicians. Music mm -hmm. is, for me at least, music is already out there. It's a thing. We're just finding it, using whatever we know of it to create a, I don't know, like food, yeah. <laughs> like a board game. <laughs> and this, so then it's really cool if you're in a play in a concert with audience. Then first of all, you have to remember that there's audience there, and it's important to treat the audience <laughs> as your new friends, your new guests, or whatever. Yeah. And everybody, it's just, it's it's perfect. Then yeah. it's not really about, do I sound like this? Am I swinging hard? Do I sound enough like Elvin or Philly <laughs> Joe or or whatever, uh, Marcus Gilmore? That doesn't yeah. matter. Is Am I feeling something? Are they feeling something? Are my friends on stage? Is everything cool? Is, does everybody have enough uh, rice? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you want some more wine? So I don't know. It's... Um, an extension. Yeah, no, that that makes that makes a good a good amount of sense to me. Um, I do want to. I mean, I want to get to the specifics of the album in a minute, but um, I suppose the logical like next step to you came to Amsterdam and you decided to study here because you saw all these different projects and all that stuff. To you now seem to have made the decision to stay here. Like it, it occurs to like. I never want to put people on the spot and be like, so are you going to be living in Amsterdam forever? Like, yeah, where that... do I sign? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but there is that sense of you've got musicians who come here and who follow their education and then go back to wherever they came from or move on to another thing. It seems like you have kind of, at least over the past year or a couple of years, seemed to dedicate yourself to the sense of you're going to be kind of based here or in yeah. Europe in general. Yeah. Um, was that just kind of a natural thing that happened, and uh, or was there always this sense of well, I'll just see what happens, or what, like how? I didn't know. I didn't have a plan. I mean, I remember when I moved here. Oh wow, bachelor four years—that's a long time. I don't know yeah. if I can stay here for four years. And the first few years were a little rough in the sense of you're in this bubble, very international bubble, mm -hmm. and you're surrounded by people that were all, like, in some ways, criticizing and complaining on where we are. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the weather and the food and whatever. That is absolutely a thing. And yeah. specifically, complaining about the food and the weather is is something I've heard from many of my Israeli colleagues. Right, for <laughs> yes. sure. And then it, I didn't really give enough chance to actually see where I am, what's happening here, stop criticizing so often. Mm -hmm. And lately, it's so it's... To your question, which I'm, I'm, I'm hardly answering your question. I'm just <laughs> blabbing about random stuff. But um, <laughs> it is um, only like a quite a gradual thing where I I started feeling like I'm actually liking it here more. And once I left, once I graduated from school, which was uh, almost two years ago, and a year and a half, mm -hmm. 
that's where things became even more and more like opened up and more positive for me in this city and in this country. Mm-hmm. Now I'm even doing this uh, Dutch course, which oh, is yeah. uh, about time six <laughs> years later to speak <laughs> the language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to wander around more and go and check out what's happening here and understand that this is my scene now. Um, I guess a lot of it changed since I uh, once I had my own band. Yeah. Like I've been playing in quite some projects. <coughs> I've been playing in, uh, in pool and with Thais, uh, Seme and with Frensanta and Sam yeah. and all kinds of... But once I had my own thing and I felt like it kind of suits here, like people are are okay with it <laughs> and appreciating <laughs> it ish, I, I hope. And yeah. and venues are, are are up for us to playing there. So it's yeah, it's inviting. Yeah. I cannot leave a place that w- likes my music. It's <laughs> <laughs> a and rare thing. There's definitely a, a a thing, right? That there is a barrier between the real world and the real scene here, and the scene in the conservatory. And that transition is such a crucial moment. Yeah. Like I've I've seen so many people, like either just straight up refuse to participate in that transition and just go back to whatever they were going to do anyway. Some people who kind of fall at the first hurdle. And then there are people that indeed realize, oh, wait, this kind of bubble that I've been living in is not the real scene. And yet there is a way that you can kind of take a bit of that bubble and move it to the outside world, which feels a bit like what your band is. Yeah. Like it it starts as this is a bunch of people who were in school together and who did the thing in school and existed because they were in school. And then somehow like a window opens to the rest of the world and then there's a sense of acceptance there, I guess. Yeah, totally. Also these people I'm kind of lucky that my like these are, are my my true friends. They're really close friends of mine, the guys from the band and also some some other guys around that kind of we made this yeah, unspoken choice together to stay. Yeah. Um and to be here and to even start being more involved and start curating stuff. Now um, we're starting a new line of series of, of concerts also mm-hmm. soon in Amsterdam and I see it more around me and you see people are active. So there's, I don't know how it was before, but I feel there's something happening. Yeah. And I have a lot of conversations with uh, with a good friend of mine, Chavi, uh, that was also on the, on the program yeah. a while ago and uh, with Thais and uh, Fuensanta, people that I mention a lot, yeah. that we're all kind of up for, yeah, getting more involved in the, and understanding... Um, what's already happened here. Of course, we don't start anything from scratch. And like you with this pro- program that for me also opened up a lot to discover quite some really cool musicians that are already here yeah. and to mix more and then slowly to meet more musicians that I really love. If it's Felix that is doing, Felix Larman that's doing a lot of cool stuff and Laura Polens that is doing amazing stuff and, yeah. uh, and Sane and uh, a lot, a lot of, of really cool musicians that yeah. are here. So it is a bit of a... Like a bubble, but part of that bubble is already like with me. We kind of flew into the scene, so it wasn't like an extreme mo- movement. To, like I forgot all my friends from there, and now I have my new <laughs> friends. These are the adults people. They all have yeah. nice big beards and good good houses and stuff. <laughs> and the guys from the guys from the conservatory are uh, I don't know. So it's a mix, but yeah. uh, but it's true that the conservatory, as probably a lot of universities, international universities, anyway. You're very there. It's mm-hmm. very intense. You don't really know what's happening around you. You don't yeah. don't know the politics. Like a day before the elections, suddenly in school, it's like, ah, tomorrow is, are there, you know, general elections. <laughs> ah, whoa, cool. <laughs> but I mean, these things are important, man. You know, this is our lives. 
Yeah, it's going to determine whether they're going to give you subsidy or not, yeah, which exactly. it turns out they're not. No, great. <laughs> so, so I think I encourage people already from their first year in their conservatory to to understand that they live in Amsterdam and in Holland, and it's not a bad thing. It's yeah. actually a good thing. It's a very cool city and also very chill. It's like a combination of cool enough but but chill. Yeah, and you can do your own thing and learn the language. <laughs> which I learn the language, I, which I didn't yeah. yet. So. No, but I do feel like that is that is a thing from, like I suppose from my generation uh, going forward, there has been more of an understanding that there is not actually anybody out there waiting for you to just show up. No, <laughs> you know, no. I think that like probably the teachers are only just starting to come around to realizing that, that they're no longer teaching students who just have jobs waiting for them because no. there's just no such thing. Like, it used to be the case that, you know, like, basically every trombone student that came out of the department was going to go and find a seat in a big band waiting for them and everything was going to be fine. And that is no longer true. And so the sense of you have to start reaching out, you have to start curating your own events, you have to start making your own records and starting the initiatives and all that kind of stuff... Um, I feel like that's become a much more important part of student life and therefore that gap between we're just a student band and we are part of the scene has maybe become slightly less of a gap. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. I like activism in general, social activism. I like when people understand that they have to do stuff themselves to mm -hmm. create. I mean, it, it's... Um, I didn't see that at the beginning. I didn't see that in my first years, mm -hmm. for sure. So it's, it's... That that understanding, or to to see that this is already happening, we're not like pioneers. There are people that are actively trying to create something here for years uh, and uh, in different generations, and we yeah. can join them to and be encouraged to do stuff ourselves and join. I don't know. I mean, the stuff you see uh, Rainier and Ben doing, or even you know Ernst and uh, Han Bennigan. Yeah. There's lots of generations of people in Holland that are creating. Yeah. Cool projects, cool venues, uh, uh, collectives. I understand the BIM House was a, a collective. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Is that that the BIM House went from being basically what we're talking about now, yeah. <laughs> which was yeah. the initiative of a bunch of people who wanted to make improvised music, and therefore they got together and found a place and did it, and you know all of the like ICP Orchestra guys and all that kind of stuff, Willem yeah. Broeker and all those yeah. people kind of found and Misha Mengelberg and all those people. Like, they were in the position that we're in now, and yet so much of, like, your early student life is focused on, well, if only I could get a gig at the BIM house. Right. Kind of thing. It's like, no, make your BIM house. Right. Because you know, that is a thing that, that they did and that we can do. Yeah. Um, it's in different steps now. You see, the BIM house is already extremely established, and it has its own um, crazy stuff. Yeah. And then you see Splendor, which is also established and start and is, but is still in this... Yeah, it's still growing, still, but yeah. it's a collective of musicians and and a lot of, of interesting things are happening there. And then you have the smaller places a little bit and but I don't know. Uh, yeah, Lounge, space is the place. Yeah, space uh, yeah, is the place exactly. and uh, the bioscope and uh, yeah. hopefully uh, this uh, new uh, thing we're doing in a ship will, yeah, will is be the, part of it. <laughs> is there something that you can talk about? Like what? Uh... Um, yeah, it's um, so hopefully soon from january february there's mm -hmm. like it's going to happen for sure though yeah. there's a a new uh, series of uh, concerts in uh, in a boat in okay. nord yeah. so in uh, the coville mm -hmm. that area so there's the uh, wor the workship yeah it's called so uh william barrett and uh, myself a friend of mine we are 
gonna start uh, evenings of two, three, four concerts. Okay. An evening uh, trying to, uh, yeah, com- like for focusing on new things, focusing on new music. If mm-hmm. people want to experiment, check out stuff, they have mm-hmm. uh, new things happening. It's not just like finding another gig that you can play, but more like. Yeah. Do something new and and combine as as much as possible the different scenes, if you may say. And so if it's even guys from the classical, uh, like classical musicians that want to do uh, stuff and uh, even further, I don't know, poetry and uh, yeah. and um, guys, maybe some bands that are, I don't know, post-conservatory and from the free scene. Mm-hmm. In a continuation, I mean, similar and inspired a little bit, of course, by other really cool stuff like Nausicaa and Space is the Place. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But with with its own uh, thing, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, that would be really cool to have more concerts yeah. no, for people to play. Definitely. Well, hopefully people will, will hear more about that when, yeah. it, uh, when it becomes a reality and encourage yeah. people to, to go look for that. Uh, uh, let's let's get to talking about your record and about your band because we sure. we're blabbing a lot about that's fun though, <laughs> which is <laughs> also what we're here for. Yes. But um, so your debut album, uh, "Unfollow the Leader," and um, it is your octet, the Guy Sandlin group. Uh, I think before we talk about the specifics of the album, we should talk about the band and the notion of you've put together an octet, which is an extremely ambitious thing to do nowadays. Every time I talk to somebody who has more than three people in their band, I tell them, do you realize this is not financially viable? (laughs) (laughs) We all know that it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, Can you tell me about the instrumentation and, and about like how, yeah, what, what the idea behind all of that was? Sure. So we have um, two trumpets, (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the that's first a, mistake really, what <laughs> what yeah we have two trumpets man yeah. yo yeah. check us out no uh, two trumpets alto saxophone tenor saxophone piano guitar double bass and drums yeah. uh, some tracks are with a guest singer yeah guest slash member slash family member slash good friend singer yeah. And another track, which is only drums and three voices, three singers. Um, so you could also say we're an eleven tet, or <laughs> however you, however that is called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I never thought I didn't. I don't even really call it an octet. And if you ask the band members, no one knows how many are we. Usually, <laughs> I, when I after a gig, I get an invoice from some of them. Uh, invoice for a gig with the guy Solomon Sextet. Man, we're not, <laughs> we're not <laughs> great people. Man. <laughs> but, yeah, um, the tax office is giving me. Why did you get eight invoices for a Sextet? <laughs> exactly, gig? very successful. I mean, it was. It wasn't really that the orchestration was my vision. Mm-hmm. It's more about. Well, I don't know if I had a vision. This this whole thing is a mistake anyway, but like a good <laughs> one. No, um, to have a band with all the people I love in one room, mm-hmm. like inviting people for dinner, yeah. all the people you want to be there should be there. And they have their own crazy voice and they're fun people and I love them. And it, so we started uh, preparing actually for this little... Showcase, not competition-ish thing, uh, keep an eye thing in school yeah. some years ago, two years ago. Um, and then for that, I kind of established the sextet. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, with uh, Ian Cleaver and trumpet and 
Lucas Martinez on tenor saxophone, and then yeah, piano, drums, uh, bass, uh, guitar. Yeah. Um, but then for for the next concert, I really then I like I really wanted Alistair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why we so many people, but um, this energy is so great for the music, and there's so many options now that once the band established as what it is now with um, Alistair Payne on trumpet, Jose Suarez on alto saxophone, um, yeah, Ian Cleaver and mm-hmm. Lucas Martinez, yeah. Young Wuli on piano, Tai Samay on guitar, and Brody Jarvie on the double bass. Um, so this, the moment the band, I, we played a, a concert and was like, okay, this is totally the band. And there are so many possibilities now, what we can do. There's so much energy and so much positivity uh, in mm-hmm. on stage and inside the music with the way they play. But also orchestration-wise, I can do endless things now. I mean, yeah. now I'm already, I don't know, excited about the next album almost. Like, hey, I didn't do anything with just, just I don't know, drums and uh, three of the saxophone keys. And I don't like, <laughs> oh, there's a lot you can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, with these people that are so creative, there's, there's so many possibilities. So I'm very happy that it's a big band. Mm-hmm. Um... Financially, yeah, it still seems to be like people are still booking us for some reason. <laughs> so we're still playing. Like yeah. we have some some we have some stuff planned definitely yeah. for for 2020. Um, mm-hmm. So it didn't seem to be too much of a problem. Maybe going abroad will be a bit more of a challenge. We went uh, recently to Mallorca. Oh, the, yeah. the whole eight piece. Wow. But that's really cool because then yeah. instead of, you know, you're touring with a trio, which is cool, <laughs> you go to a bar, you're a trio in a bar. Yeah. But if you're eight people in a bar, <laughs> that's it. It's a party. Even if no one was there, <laughs> wherever wherever you go, it's a party. So we took over the pool in the hotel and uh, <laughs> these kind of things. Yeah. No. So I don't know. I guess I'm a, I'm a team player yeah. and a group player. So it's not about individual playing. Mm-hmm. And um, I do play in... In, as a drummer, a sideman, I do play in, in trios and quartets and uh, smaller bands where I have a big role, yeah. of course, and uh, a lot of space and interactions. But something about being in a, in a team where then, then I- the individual role is a little smaller and the main concept of the music is, is there. So yeah. it's all about the composition and, and then everybody's dedicated to that. So... If not everybody had crazy long solos or whatever, mm-hmm. that's totally fine because if we're all happy at the end and the yeah. music was there, yeah. So I think a bigger band even helps with that. It's interesting because I mean that was that was one of the things I was going to remark upon, um, and I feel like I may have told this to more, like to other drummers already, but this doesn't strike me as a drummer's album. So maybe I just have a wrong idea about what a drummer's album is nowadays. Um, but it's so interesting that you brought up Art Blakey earlier, um, and that seems like an interesting model to me because it's kind of it's not particularly about the drums, even though it's obviously ridiculous drummer and everything. But like the notion of the band, um, I wonder, like, also in terms of just like the aesthetics of of things and and the the compositional approach. Um, yeah, can you can you elaborate on that a bit? I f- one thing that I find interesting is earlier you told me that you're really into like like happy positive stuff and yet i felt like probably 80 percent of this album sounded introspective and and kind of like 
Um, and obviously, like, I, I find joy in that. But I, I wonder if that is just my misinterpretation of things. No, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, basically, if you feel something, then it's not, then it's the perfect interpretation. As long as it's not, <laughs> as long as you don't feel anything. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, there are some, there are some songs there. Uh, I call them songs, but yeah, tunes, tracks. Yeah. Um, that are quite heavy, maybe, or more like prayers or hymns, um, hoping because I don't ignore where I where I come from and what is still the situation in the world. So I mm -hmm. do feel like this album is, in a sense, a little political or politically aware or socially aware at least for mm -hmm. struggle for wars and battles and. Yeah. Occupation and hatred and whatever, yeah. but I do think that all these things—the only, well, not the only way—I don't know how to solve it. But for me, the way to solve it for myself is through love and and positive and happiness. Mm -hmm. So I think all the songs, at least I hope, have that as their core—something positive to light the way, even if this if the song is quite sad or mellow. Or someone can say, "Yeah, I really like the ballad." So I didn't notice that this was a ballad. I just thought it's, <laughs> it's yeah. this love song that is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, for me, I I try to put actually start every song with a warm color in my head. Yeah, and so actually that that dovetails nicely into talking about your compositional approach because I I wonder what the process is like, especially when you're writing like. As a drummer writing for, like, an eight-piece band that features four horns, like you say, you've got tons of possibilities in terms of arrangement, in terms of colors that you can use and stuff. Are those all things that you, like, already have in your mind? Is there a bunch of things that are kind of lucky accidents in terms of the way things get arranged? Like, is it, like... Because I feel like there's two sides of this thing. Like, it could be, like, the, you know, the mastermind of, like, well, I, I've got these four horns and these are the exact voicings and this is the thing and stuff. And at the same time, there's a sense of, well, these are the eight people and let's see what happens. Like, how... What is the, the middle ground there? Is that... A, yeah. <laughs> am I making any sense? No, that's exactly it, I think. I mean, yeah, I did study quite some years by in, in conservatories before and here, and there's a lot of great theory and great knowledge... And uh, I did learn a lot of arrangement, but basically mm. when I start writing for the band, I kind of put all of this aside, yeah. um, all the practical knowledge, even of like changes and um, degree, like even really yeah, basic conventional stuff. Harmony. Yeah, any any of of the um, things that I can actually explain, I don't want to have anything I can explain why it's there. Yeah. So all the choices have to be based on just. Yeah, I mean, composition composing is is basically uh, choice making all the time anyway. So you just do something until you really love it, and I don't want to play anything I don't really love. And then also with arranging for four horns, there is of course some logic behind it, and and I do write everything or most of it is written, and the rehearsals are kind of strict i think i mean i can we can play the same tunes for a year but still every rehearsal i ask for more specific details about each section maybe yeah okay so i'm not really good at letting letting go and i do have my own 
concept, but it changes all the time what yeah. I hear. So I try to be extremely aware all the time what I'm hearing and if I love it. Yeah. And until I don't, it's extreme a little bit, but until I don't love it, we don't move on. Okay. Yeah. Um, and very often I love it very fast because okay. they are <laughs> just killing. <laughs> I mean, these guys are, are, yeah, are a little uncontrollable. So you also learn how to, well, it's not necessary to control them, but they bring so much to the table. I guess a lot of people say that also about their band members. I mean, there's a composition, there's a lot of freedom inside it. And these people, I mean, I, you heard Tyson May or, yeah, or, or Alistair Payne or mm -hmm. Young Boo or Brody or all of them, Ian, yeah. Jose, Lucas, I have to mention them all because <laughs> I love them all. They'll just do everything. They'll just do their thing. And it um, many times it changes the composition. I bring a song, a tune, which is just basically um, two notes, like a one bar of... of, of, of of three intervals basically, blah 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 yeah. blah, just that. Mm -hmm. That's the beginning of of unfollow the leader basically. This uh, it's just two notes, yeah. and then Ty saw these two notes and just decided to split them as a joke in the break of the rehearsal to make a funny country joke ish yeah. thing I think, and it was great. <laughs> and I don't know, I mean, things kind of evolve through them also, and then I take it home, and then I change it, and then I bring it back to them. Yeah. So it's back and forth a little bit, but um, eventually I do kind of know what I want. Yeah. And I don't really start from a harmonic progression, I think, but more from a concept. I'm interested in that. So the, the, the very first thing we talked about was uh, how much you listened to film music as a kid. Um, and the notion of storytelling through music. Um, is that a part of your process? Is there something like that you say you come from a concept? Do you come from literal like... I'm also interested as regards to the way people title their pieces and that kind of stuff, like whether things come beforehand, you know what the piece is about before the piece even exists, or like, is that the case? Like, Not really, but sometimes. Like... The moment I started writing for the band, it became more of a thing that I I want I have, I'm biking and then I take the phone and I just have these uh, like breathing <laughs> sessions, which I, which technically is illegal nowadays. Uh, what guy. to record to myself <laughs> to use oh, yeah. your phone on the bike? I'm, I never do it that. Has been, it has a uh, oh no has officially been made a, a finable offense. Okay, great. So <laughs> I never so you know, I, I never did hands that. Hands free, hands hands yeah. free sets. Is yeah, what obviously yeah. that that that's yeah, that's what that's, you do. That's what I'm doing. And then it's like, uh, idea for a new song. Yeah. It has to be weird and funny, like uh, like clowns entering a like bursting into a hospital room and uh, and scaring everybody. Great. And then I go home and like, what the? What did I? Why did I say that? <laughs> and then I start writing a song like that, or try to do that, or or a song for a person, yeah. or so I'm very inspired. Like a lot of the songs in the album are dedicated to people. Mm -hmm. Some of them were dedicated after the song was there. It's like, <coughs> actually, this is about them. But yeah. as you ask, some some are... I like thinking about the concept before I just start writing sometimes. Because if I just sit on the piano and see what happens, it's kind of, kind of the same thing It's going to happen all the time. It's just the fingers are going to go to the same place that they know where to go, and the harmony is going to sound like falafel jazz, and I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that anymore. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I think about the people and say, like, okay... What did what in my band Tice can do and he never has the chance to do? Let's see if I can write something right. 
that that can do that because that would be fun for everybody if, if Alistair can really be Alistair mm-hmm. it will be amazing because Alistair is amazing so yeah. what can I do to help that yeah. and sometimes I just bring a tune and then change it for mm. them so yeah. it's a mix of both so you very quickly in your random example you mentioned Sorry. clowns yes um, and it's interesting to me that the notion of circus music is something that seems to come back quite a lot as, as far as the way, at least the way journalists describe some of your music. Uh-huh. Um, is that something that you are aware of? Like, is that is that a surprise to you that people think, that, oh, circus music? Like, I find, to me, like, I understand that notion from the kind of, like, Anthony Braxton approach to circus music, maybe, mm. which is, like, the kind of twisted version of what that is or even like ICP kind of approach to yeah. things like is that a notion that you have or is it just like something that happens yeah that's not that's not on purpose for sure mm-hmm. but if I do think about circus or not that I remember being in a circus ever but the concept of something mm-hmm. that's supposed to be funny and fun and light and entertaining but is obviously w- cr- like wacky and strange and there's some oddness to it so mm-hmm. That I do like. I, I like that about everything. Like I like, um, I don't know, Twin Peaks or yeah. or Wes Anderson movies or yeah. uh, I don't know, Rushmore. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. that is it has its lightness to it, like a circus. But there's some stuff that is really messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. and that thing together is kind of the world, <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> the world is a bit messed up, but we're trying to make something good out of it. So I don't want the music to be too clean, mm-hmm. too tidy, too, like, fine. It's, I li- it should be weird. Yeah. And then maybe it's it's fine that people think it's circus music, because circus is a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, not fair wrong. enough. I like, to, you know, whoever's doing circus and listens to this, yeah. you're great. No, for sure. Um so, uh, can you tell me about the actual like recording process? Like, how did it go? What? How much time did you have? Where did you do it? All of that. Uh... Yeah. So it was just two, uh, two days, two days in a bit actually. Um, we recorded in Amsterdam with Ati Bao. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing guy, and he was so uh, positive and uh, and helpful with the recording. And then he also did the mixing and mastering. Okay. Um, so he's definitely part of the family now. Yeah. Um, we also had Fuen Santa Mendes singing with us, yeah. and uh, with a loop station and a voice, mm-hmm. and uh, one more with, like I mentioned before, with uh, Sadar Zelesnik and uh, Veronica Kumar, Kumar and Fuen Santa Mendes. Yeah. Um, we did everything, of course, live in uh, just uh, together, so there's yeah. no no real no um, overdubs or, yeah. or in the recording. We just play. Um, we had a good preparation before that, luckily. I mean, there was quite some concerts before and we've been together for a while. So when we came to play, it was already without sheet music. That is also a very important thing for me that we're just playing by heart, even if it's complex music, yeah. which is not really, it's not really complicated music, but there's yeah. lots of stuff to remember and things. So we played by heart and mm-hmm. we played together and we are more of a, as organic as can be. Yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, th- I got support for the album, of course, from the Keep an Eye Foundation, um, yeah. which was a competition that we uh, won last year. Yeah. That, of course, was a, a huge reason why we could do what we did. Um, 
And we could record some fun new videos also in the Raumte, which is an awesome place that I, I, I wanted to yeah. feature a little bit. So all of that was part of this process. But basically, it's all on me-ish. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's self-produced, self-released. There's no label. Yeah. Um, I just found the designer online, like a guy. I saw his work and I loved it. So I just contacted him and he lives in Portugal. Okay. And he did the design and... Uh, but also the cover artwork. Yeah, the artwork. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I didn't do it, of course, but like yeah, yeah, I yeah. kind of was part of the whole uh, process and uh, yeah. all the things were kind of my concept. I knew what I wanted on the the artwork, Yeah. like very specifically, um, kind of. Can you tell me what that was? Like, because yeah. I was going to ask you about it. I mean, I, I, I think it's really beautiful. I, I really like it. Like the combination of kind of somewhat absurd pho photography and yeah. like illustration. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you get somebody to make that? <laughs> if that's what's in your brain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is, um, it's a photo. Uh, it's a, it's me. Uh, it's a, it's a bench with me, me and my parents on my two sides. Mm -hmm. And it was great because my parents, like I said before, they're very, strong characters so <laughs> they just yeah. did whatever they wanted they yeah. i couldn't tell them what to wear or what to do they just and it was perfect so my mother <laughs> suddenly with this gigantic coat and my father yeah. is like mostly in pink yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're both looking to two sides and my father was really angry that morning so he just <laughs> didn't pretend he was like Arr. and that was just my life i didn't have to do anything i just yeah. sat in the middle awkwardly with with a bunch of flowers and felt that they are, <laughs> as always, <laughs> creating a, 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 yeah, a world, for yeah. me at least. And then I thought, that's what I want. It's kind of my world so far. The music is my world so mm -hmm. far. And I want the cover to have something about that. You look at it, you don't really know what's happening. It's a bit of a story. And this guy, Travassos, I saw his work. He, he works a lot for Clean Feed. Um, oh, yeah. And... Yeah, he gave me some 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 options, of course. But uh, I asked for this illustration, and he what he does is exactly that. And yeah, um, yeah somewhere between Alice in Wonderland with an awkward modern <laughs> semi-divorced <laughs> family <laughs> of, uh, of yeah, I don't know this yeah. kind of thing, and it uh, worked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, it's it's very cool. I really like the the look of it. Um, I would be remiss. If I did not mention that there is a piece that is called Longest Road Cow's Music. Yes. Is that a Catan reference? Yes. I thought it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Finally. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, I wonder, I mean, maybe this is going too far and maybe this is too much because of my own obsession with board games. But like... Um, do you see any parallels there? Like, obviously, is it like obviously you just take longest road, which is a mechanic in 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 uh, <laughs> in sentence of Catan for right. those that aren't aware of it. But like, I find that there is interesting parallels to be drawn between kind of game design and rules and that kind of stuff and music and composition specifically. Yeah, is that something that you can speak on? Am I putting you on the spot with something that's kind of complicated and weird and just my own obsession or? Yes, and yes, and yes, and I would <laughs> love to talk about it. Um, well, again, first from the social aspect, yeah, I think it's basically the same. A board game that people are not often... Or a board game or any kind of game. Mm -hmm. It has rules and it has its own world. Yeah. It forces... Like yesterday night, I had a dinner with my friends, and then, of course, at a certain point, kind of everybody expects that I'm going to drop the bomb and we'll have to play a game. <laughs> it just has to happen. Yeah. Why? Because... 
like a, like a concert, like a composition, it centers everybody to the center of the table and everybody is forced together to be in this world. It like a lot of laughter and a lot of smiles and happiness comes from playing a game, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very healthy. Yeah. And like fun competitiveness and you start arguing about nothing, about sheep and, yeah. and bricks, <laughs> which is wonderful because, yeah. yeah, you're releasing a lot of tension and feeling and emotions together. And in that sense, I want ev- each one of my compositions to be as successful as a Catan game yeah. when I win it. Because <laughs> <laughs> recently <laughs> it's not going so well. Um but I think in that sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from the constructive point of view, which is more of a complex, I think, um, way to look at it, like the rules and the interaction, and there's a lot of spontaneity, but it is kind of going somewhere. I think in that sense, yeah, for sure, I I, I gain a lot yeah. from playing games. Yeah. I really playing. like to draw that parallel between game design and composition because I feel like, a lot of, especially when we deal with composition for improvisers, I feel like the notion of game design as giving a framework and a structure of rules to a social interaction um, that is going to happen anyway, and especially if you're talking about something like Catan, which has got both a lot of randomness in it and um, luck, which can be... On a different podcast, we would argue about <laughs> how much of a good game it is because of that. Uh, okay. But um, I'm <laughs> not going to go there on this podcast. No. But then also, like, the social interaction of it is all about trading and all of that stuff. And and I find it very interesting to to see the the the, the parallel between, like, those kind of um, those kind of networks that form and the, the notion of structured social interaction. And at the same time, like, yeah, giving a framework for people to improvise in is similar to giving a framework for people to like interact yeah. socially in yeah. and also explore like notions that they wouldn't necessarily explore elsewhere like yeah. the idea of trading sheep and, and yeah. wood to each other and and or whether it's like combat or whatever like those kinds of like the notion of catharsis through gameplay is quite similar to me as the notion of catharsis through either like consuming of music or the performance of music yeah um yeah totally also i think Exactly that thing that you in if I, I'm trying in my music that every song has its own scenario, mm-hmm. its own game. So people can't just you can't just go wherever you want and kind of fall on the same things that you know if it's phrases or as as far as comp- as uh, improvisation goes. Yeah. So specifically in a song like Longest Road mm-hmm. and that one, you see that suddenly they totally go for it. Uh, Tice has a solo. Lucas has a solo. And they're totally playing that game or pl- totally playing the song and improvising what the song needs to be, which is great because when you hear them on their own albums, they sound a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that sense, it's really fun to see, okay, what, what, how, will the, how will we deal with the situation where we have now a, a real scenario, a, yeah. a scene, a movie, a game that we have to deal with instead of what sometimes happens, I think, with... Uh, improvisation that we kind of go accidentally to similar places and we maybe almost forgot what was the song, what was the composition. We're just somewhere else now, Mm -hmm. which is also cool. But I like that there's a world. I like that every every tune, whenever we play, even if it's a standard, that there's a world. And that's... 
Yeah, and I suppose it also has to do with the notion of games that can be solved and games that have a lot of like deterministic nature to them. Like if you look at um, a game like chess, it is basically deterministic. Like uh, you can't actually calculate all of the moves if you're not a supercomputer, but technically you can. Yeah. And therefore there is always an optimal move and therefore it is kind of a solved game in that not sense. Not my game. Whereas, no, me neither, but I mean, I, I respect it for that. And I yeah, find it really interesting. But on the other side of things, you've got something like Catan where like the trading, the social interaction and the, the, the dice rolling and all that stuff is really um, yeah, quite, like persuasion <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But the point being, it's not a solved system because it's a system that has to react to the players around you. And I see that as a really interesting way to approach composing for improvisers because it's sort of like create a system in which the input of one player will determine the input of another player, will influence the input of another player, and therefore will create something that is infinitely replayable because there is no optimal solution, and therefore there's no optimal solution to how you should be performing this piece of music, right? Bam. Um, I'm, I'm totally there. This is the best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> people, people at home. Yeah, I don't know if... Order, uh, your, order your board Yeah, now. maybe we lost you already. But, um, <laughs> a, little, a little geeky in a great way. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think we're kind of reaching the, the the end of this conversation. Is there is there yeah. any stuff that we haven't touched upon that you want to mention? Like, uh, is there any work you're doing as a sideman? Is there any gigs coming up that you want people to know about? Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, if anyone wants to follow what we're doing, of course, uh, we have some uh, concerts coming up uh, soon. Eighteenth uh, of January mm -hmm. in uh, in Eindhoven. Yeah. Uh, 8th of February in Adam in Mahogany Hall and the rest you can yeah. find there's some nice stuff happening in May also uh, part of the space is the place uh, we're cool. gonna, so all of that um, you're very welcome to join us there will be links to all of your stuff in the, in cool. the show notes and so. um, yeah I mean there's a lot of great music around that I'm in, uh, not involved in or involved in uh, <laughs> in different ways that uh, I think Generally, what we spoke about before of going out and doesn't matter if you're in school or outside school, it's quite difficult to to stay in touch maybe with mm -hmm. what's happening or to learn about what's happening. And there's a lot of really cool things, yeah. uh, new things happening, um, new venues or series curated and uh, places like the Raum that uh, I think should be exploding, like extremely well attended every night uh, yeah. because yeah, yeah, of yeah. this stuff. So... These things I would yeah. urge people to do. We're now in Amsterdam. Let's let's make let's make it great again. No, let's yeah. make it crazy. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're we are uh, segueing. I mean, you're already making a recommendation, but um, more specifically, I like to end the show with asking my guests to make a recommendation for people. Something you think deserves attention. Something people should check out. It can be a specific piece of media. It could be a book. It could be a movie. It could be. Music. It could be a board game. Yeah, <laughs> it could be just about anything that uh, that comes to mind. I don't know if anything in particular. Uh, yeah. Um, it is a vague question, but no. But there's yeah, there's <laughs> plenty of things. I guess I could uh, recommend uh, at least for me and my my friends to do, mm -hmm. or for everybody. Um, I'm a little behind sometimes with discovering stuff, so I'm not the. Uh, like, ooh, you have to check this out, and then everybody already knows this. <laughs> well, we are jazz but musicians. Exactly. So <laughs> let's say a lot of um, this record label, this Portuguese record label, uh, Clean Feed Records, yeah. 
Uh, it's already since 2001, I think, so it's yeah. almost 20 years. But they have a lot of really great stuff happening all the time. Yeah. And in general, anything by uh, Joachim Badenhorst, I would always uh, recommend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and Kaya Draxler, of course. And uh, yeah. and you sh- uh, if you l- look at the lineup of the, let's say, the guys in my band, so you should check out their own projects because mm-hmm. all of them have really, like there's a new trio now of Fuensanta, Thais, uh, Fuensanta, Alistair, and Jose. Okay. And they're doing really cool stuff together. And Thais has a new album soon coming out. Yeah. And some of friends of mine that are not on, on the album, unfortunately, because they're also drummers, like Sanmi, so check her stuff out for sure. Yeah. And uh, Xavi Torres. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm promoting my friends. I don't, but know, I how, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to list all of this on no, the website now. No, I'm really now. sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, an amazing <laughs> single by Laura Polens that everybody has to check out. Uh, which is awesome, also. Are you, uh, I, do you mean Fly or Die? Fly or Die. Yeah. Which I, I, which I actually I produced that. Um, okay, great. It's not self-serving at <laughs> it's all. It's very good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, loop, I'm looping the video all the time. Yeah. Because There's a new one uh, coming soon. I, I just sent her a first mix, actually. Ooh. Uh, so yeah. let's let's uh, let's end this recording. Look forward to that. No. Um, <laughs> but cool. um, yeah, so lots of lots of things. I'm sorry for being uh, intense about it, but uh, <laughs> no, it's it's great. Yeah, it's that's that's what we need. And the uh, new concert series in the Coville. Yeah, cool. Um, there will be links to all of those things. Guy, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. There'll be more music from Guy in just a moment. Many thanks to my fellow members of Catrio for providing the intro and outro music for the show. If you enjoy this podcast, please do consider leaving a favorable review or rating wherever you like to listen to it. Do subscribe, tell friends who might be interested in listening to this kind of stuff, and in general, spread the word about all these great artists and their music. Go to patreon.com slash moment if you would like to make a donation to help me keep the show up and running. Even the smallest amounts are really helpful, and thanks so much to those of you who are already donating. You can reach me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. On Facebook, there is a Sound of the Moment page, and my email is pat at soundofthemoment.com. Now for more music from the Guy Salomon group. This is the track that we discussed during the show that is called The Longest Road Cow's Music. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next month with another episode of Sound of the Moment.